Hi guys, Liz Wheeler here. So I had the opportunity to sit down with Zuby last week, who's a very interesting person. He's actually wicked popular among conservative youth right now. I sat down and talked to him a little bit about culture. And I asked him, since he's a rapper, I asked him about the impact of the rap industry on the Black family, because we're seeing this breakdown in the Black family. We're seeing absent fathers. We're seeing so many out of wedlock births. We're seeing gang life. We're seeing violence. And I asked him what impact rap had or how he thought rap impacted the breakdown of the Black family. And I was very surprised at his answer. He and I actually disagree about this a little bit, but the conversation, um, well, I'll let you be the judge, but I found the conversation very interesting. If you want exclusive early access to interviews just like this one, then join us on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. It is lizwheelershow.com slash locals. You can use my promo code, which is access to watch for free for the first month of your annual subscription, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. So here's Zuby. Hi, guys. We are here at the Young America's Foundation Conference in Washington, D.C. We are in the heart of the swamp, and I am joined today by a very special guest. I'm joined by Zuby. You're a fan favorite at this conference. I'm happy to hear it. You are. Every, <laughs> I, I always ask, so when I, like, we film here all week, and I ask the students when I pass them, when I talk to them in the hallway, oh, who are you most excited to hear from? Um, whose speech was the best? And almost always, your name comes up. I'm honored. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm especially honored because I'm not American. So when I'm asked to speak at these things in the U.S., I'm, I'm still mind blown by the fact that so many people in the U.S. even know me and love what I do. So coming from across the ocean. Do you want to know why I think that is, though? Go for it. Because especially young people these days have a hunger for truth mm -hmm. and you're not afraid to speak the truth. And you're also and I mean this with all due respect to a lot of the of our political leaders, but you're not uh, boring and old, mm. you're young and cool. And so what, what, what could better appeal to young people than someone who is young, cool and speaking the truth? Yeah. Well, that's awesome because that's why I became a rapper to begin with. Yeah. Because I wanted to use my voice to inspire and motivate people in a positive way. And I think in the world in general, and also within the music world and hip hop, there's so much negativity. Yeah. There's so much negativity. So I wanted to use my voice in a way that I could push back somewhat in a more positive direction and with everything I do now, whether it's still the music, of course, but the public speaking, writing books, whatever I do on social media, podcasting, all of that, it's all tied to the same theme around encouraging people to think and to improve themselves and to take responsibility for their lives. And that's what, I'm, that's what I've always been about. So I hope it comes through. And I want to get back to your children's book in just a second and pick up a conversation that we were having before we went on air, which sometimes are the best conversations that we don't capture on video. Um, but I, I actually want to talk, I want you to talk to me actually about the rap industry, because it seems to me that in our country, in the United States of America, we're having a, a crisis in multiple ways. We're having a crisis of masculinity in young men. We have a crisis of broken families, of fatherless families. We have a crisis of drugs and mental illness and suicide in our country and violence in our country in inner cities that is disproportionately impacting young black men. And we have an industry of rappers who glorify the things that are harming these young men. They glorify violence, they glorify gang life, they glorify promiscuity, they glorify abusing women, they glorify abusing drugs. How do we, how do we fight back against a genre of music or an industry that has appeal because it's entertaining to listen to, but has such a toxic message that is harming young people? Wow, that's a big one. Um... I think, so I'm a generally a big fan 
and I'm a big advocate of promoting what you promoting and supporting what you want to see out there more than attacking and criticizing what you don't want to see. And I think a big error or oversight that's been made, I think by a lot of conservatives, but a lot of people in general is actually for decades ignoring arts and music and the things that young people do think are cool. Now, when it comes to hip hop and rap in particular, it's, man, I, I, it's messy because I, I love the genre. Obviously, I'm a rapper. It's, yeah. what I, it's what I do. I also have massive criticisms of a lot of the material and the content that's out there. And also, perhaps more importantly, what is pushed on people. Because what you hear in the mainstream, if you go out to a club or you switch on the radio or so on, they're playing you 1% of the hip-hop and rap music that exists, and they are ignoring the rest of it, much of it which is much more much more wholesome and much more positive and even skillful in many cases. So I think it's a complicated one because it clashes with so many things I'm really interested in. So we're both advocates for freedom of speech. So we're not on the bandwagon of, oh, you need to shut this down and censor it. Abs absolutely not. People should be able to express themselves. And then with music as well, depending on the artist, there are rappers and musicians who narrate and document and reflect upon what they grew up in and what they're seeing. And then if we're being honest, there are also some who do glorify and promote and push those things. So as a genre, one reason why it's so captivating is because it is reflective of how people grow up in certain environments. So when hip hop started and really grew to when it really grew to popularity in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, that was because people all over the world were able to just listen to these raw stories and articulations of what's happening in what's going on in New York City or what's happening in Los Angeles and so on, whether it's positive or negative or about gang culture or about drugs or this. And that's really captivating to people. Mm -hmm. People are drawn to the same storylines in movies and in video games and so on and so forth. But I think the concern is when, I mean, hip hop is such a, it's such a powerful influence on young people. Yeah all around the world. I think people, I think oftentimes a lot of rappers even here don't realize how global it is. You can go to any country in the world and there are people who even learned how to speak English by listening to rap music. Really? Yes. That's right? actually very interesting. I've actually met people. I'll tell you something crazy. I'll show you how deep it goes. Okay. I've been to countries. I've been, I've traveled a lot around Central and Eastern Europe. I've been to countries like Serbia, Slovakia, Estonia, Lithuania, and so on. There are people there who don't even know that the N-word is offensive. Because right? they've heard it in because music they've heard that it they so like. much in music and movies and in comedy and so on. And there's there's no black people there. They don't have the same demographics yeah. and history of the USA or even the UK or anything. And so they will just they they'll, they'll just say it, right? Like they'll see me. They've never even barely seen a black person before. They'll be like, yo, what's up? And you're like, <laughs> and, and it's even hard to explain to them. It's hard to explain to people because because it's it's used so. I mean, it's a hard it's, concept it's to so understand here, where it's like certain people, it's okay to yes. say it; certain people, it's, it's not. It's, it's weird, offensive here; it's offensive. It's, not. It's, I mean, it's, it's a weird. One. It's kind of contradictory. It, it is, and it, and it's confusing. I I don't use the word at all. I'm not I'm not a fan. Neither of it. do it's I. Not in, it's not in any of my music, but people have these different opinions on it, and yeah. it's the only word in the English language really that has all these weird rules, and depending on who says it, and how they say it, and who they say it to, and exactly how they pronounce it, has like a very different context and so on. So I think 
that perhaps people would be a bit more cautious with it if they realized the global, I bring that up to say the, the global impact. So basically the rap industry has. has taught people yes. who wouldn't otherwise know it to say the N-word. Yes, there are some of them who think that that's the actual word for black person. They so think, should the rap industry the not word. use that word anymore? See, this is, this is the thing. And people have tried to do this before. I remember about 15, tw about 20 years ago, there was a movement um, actually by some American leaders yeah. to try to bury the N-word. They actually did a funeral for it. Um, <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> but a lot of rappers were like, nah, right? Like, we're, we're just going to do what we do. So I'm not into trying to police other people's language. But I think that if people are conscious of the impact that their language and words can have, yeah. same, same with people's actions, right? Yeah. Like, it's not my business to be trying to you know, I certainly don't want to use the force of the state to force people into speech patterns and behavior and so on. That's much of what we push back against. But if you have rights, yes, we have a right to freedom of speech, but you also have a responsibility and a duty with it. So, yes, yeah. you can well, say Well, that's the difference want, between but... law and influence, right? Exactly. Right. And I, I think that's one of the interesting things about, and I guess this expands not just from the rap industry, but to the entertainment industry and Hollywood in general mm. is, and now even influencers on social media platforms, is the influence that they have. Yeah. They really are pouring their content into the hearts and the minds of young people. And as you said, not just in this country, but all around the world. And I, I look to some of the most popular um, the most popular rappers who span, their popularity spans generation. I mean, look mm -hmm. at Snoop Dogg or Jay-Z and then look at what, what they are glorifying in some of their music and then look at the brokenness that you see in the black family in our country mm -hmm. and how that, how that hurts people, how that, how that hurts black people in our country. And I, I'm not trying to be uncool. I'm not yeah. trying to, I'm not trying to criticize someone else's art where I certainly can't produce art like that. I'm, mm. I'm not claiming to do so. Um, but I can't help but notice the correlation and wonder if that influence plays a large part in the cultural breakdown of the black family. Do you know what's so interesting about what you just said is that if you look at both of those men in particular, if you look at the meta narrative of their lives, it's hard to find something that better exemplifies what people call the American dream. Those are both guys who grew up Snoop Dogg gangbanging in Long Beach, California in his teens, became, got, got signed to a record label in his teens, put out an album, sold millions of records, became an entrepreneur. He's one of the most famous people worldwide. Yeah. He does Bollywood movies. He's an <laughs> entrepreneur. He's got a clothing line and he's a family man. He's, he's, he's got kids. He's married. He's got kids. He takes care. He does football coaching in his community. He gives a lot of money to charity. So the meta narrative is so powerful. If you just listen to the words coming out of his mouth and his music, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is not, this is not wholesome. And I really wish, and, and same with Jay-Z. Jay-Z Jay -Z is married with lots, with kids. Jay-Z lives a pretty <laughs> conservative lifestyle these days in many ways. <laughs> I don't right? think I've ever heard him just He's like a that. billionaire. He, he, used to sell, he used to sell drugs in New York City. He's now a billionaire. Well, which do you think is more influential? Because I understand what you're yeah. saying. Sometimes actions are more influential than words. Sometimes words are more influential than mm. actions. Which do you think is more influential in the case of those I, two? Honestly, I think it depends on the audience. To me, right, Jay-Z is one of my favorite rappers. And he also has influenced me in a very positive way because he, if you know his story, he also did it independently. So when he started, he didn't go straight to Which a label. Which is what you do. Yes, he didn't yeah. go straight to a label. He got pushed back by the And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to make my record myself and I'm going to sell it to people. And he made that money and he took it and he reinvested and he's built what he's built now. And so to me, I'm able to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Yeah. Right. So I can take the positive from that 
and not just listen to certain things that he's saying and go out and mimic that behavior. But I think depending on the individual, I, I think I think most I think this is also where parents come into play, right? Yeah. I mean, because your kids should not be being raised by rappers, right? Or being yeah. raised by the entertain pop singers or the entertainment industry in general, right? If that's if the biggest influence in your children in your child's life is Snoop Dogg, you've failed as a parent, honestly. So you have to be, you know, it's, it's where does the responsibility lie in these things? And I think that as an adult, whether you're a rapper or an influencer or not, I think you're going to be a role model and an influence to, to somebody to some degree. I mean, you, I didn't do, I don't do what I do with the specific goal of being a role model. That's not like what I set out to do, but you realize, okay, I'm a person with influence. There are millions of people who know who I am and are, you know, listening to what I'm doing. So there's a responsibility that comes with that. Um, and I think that's true of all adults. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest messages I push in general is just one of personal responsibility and accountability. We're all influenced by all sorts of things. I'm sure every single week you have negative, you see negative messaging and things being pushed on you and things you don't like and don't approve of, but you have the inner sense and strength and perhaps when we're raised well enough to know, okay, just because I see someone doing that thing or saying that thing, I don't need to go out there and mimic it. You're, you're strong right. enough and have that self-empowerment to do that. So you could be bombarded with all sorts of nonsense and you're like, no, like I'm not going to mimic that. But I think that when people are more fractured and are looking for some type of meaning and purpose and they don't have the influence of their, you, you mentioned fatherlessness before, right? A young boy, especially growing up, especially as, as he goes into his teens, he's going to be looking for older male role models. And the ideal person there is a father, right? A father, um, if the father is not there for some, for, for whatever reason, um, you know, a, a family member or an, an uncle, a grandfather, an older brother, someone, but someone is, someone's going to fill in that role. Someone's going to fill in that role. And uh, by the way, people who recruit for gangs know this. People who recruit for terrorist organizations know this, right? They find young men who are disaffected and who often lack a father figure and they find them and they get them to, that's how they get them on board. And so I, I don't think there's anything more important for the future than honestly how people raise their children or don't, for better or for worse. That's what's gonna determine the future of this country. So what's going to determine the future of the world. And it's been trending in a concerning direction for several decades for many different reasons, which we've all discussed many times. But I'm optimistic in believing that things can, just like things can change for the worse, things can change for the better. And I think that an intervention of sorts is needed. It's not something that one person can do because we're talking hundreds of millions billions of people, each person has to take on that responsibility and that accountability for themselves, their families, their children, and so on. And then we can raise a better generation in the future who um, won't go out and be so reckless and continue this cycle of destruction. I think what you said about children being the future, not just of our country, but of the world is particularly poignant now, because we're seeing our children in the United States, we're seeing our children assaulted, in a sense, by the, the radical gender ideology, mm -hmm. the transgender ideology, 
queer theory, whatever you want to call it, especially in schools. You've spoken out against this. Actually, Twitter suspended you for speaking. <laughs> Tell me that story, please, because if I'm not mistaken, your tweet was incredibly um, non-controversial mm-hmm. and I they s- told you it was hateful. Yes, I. Uh, this is in 2020. Yeah. I, I said, okay, dude, in response to someone. So um, I, ha- I had a list <laughs> okay, of... Okay, dude, just two words. Yeah, yeah, okay, those dude. two words, yeah. And dot, dot, <laughs> ellipsis as well. So I wasn't sure if it was the okay, the dude, or the ellipsis that was <laughs> hateful conduct. But um, I, I had something going viral and someone responded bragging about uh, saying, bragging that they sleep with more women than me. Um, and I responded, okay, dude. And that was it. A week later, um, I was in the UK at the time. I was on my way back home um, from an event in London and I got an email from Twitter, Twitter support saying mm-hmm. uh, your account has been locked for hateful conduct. Um, you know, and then it said, you know, you may not um, attack, insult or threaten or people based on their race, religion, sexuality, uh, disability, so on. I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't do that. <laughs> and then it was like, this is the tweet that violated our policy. And it just said, okay, dude. And I was like, wait, what? I, 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 didn't, I thought it was like a fake email or something. Yeah, yeah. And then I actually tried to go on my account and I, I, was, I was locked out. And um, I mean, of all the things that I've said and things that I've written, um, I, I was I was quite astounded that that was the one that the, the <laughs> You're one like, that crossed the line. Of all the, the controversial line. things that I've said, yeah, this is the one you pick up okay, on. Saying okay, so dude, the crux yeah. of this was that the person you responded to was a transgender individual, right? Apparently so. I didn't even know this. <laughs> well, also, dude is something dude that is, yeah. that girls say to girls and girls say to guys and yeah. guys say to guys and guys say to girls. It's uh, it's it's kind of a it's become at least kind of a gender neutral. Just like okay, dude. It is. It is. It, it, I literally said it just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, it, cause it was such a weird, it was such a weird thing for them to even write. So yeah. I was just like, okay, dude, like, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like that's weird. Good for you. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that, but I ended up uh, turning it into a successful merchandise line. Um, I, re- I made a song, the most popular song on my most recent album. It's really? called Okay Dude. Yeah. Oh, that is Put hilarious. out a music video. Um, Joe Rogan even did the intro for it. So it's, uh, I ended up, and then, you know, when they say life gives you lemons, then you uh, turn it into lemon juice. That's so, right. No, turn it into you- lemonade even. <laughs> turn it into lemon juice. No, turn it into turn it into lemonade. So I definitely did that. Um, and you have you're not only exemplifying through your actions what what young people should aspire to do and how you can fight back on these cultural wars. You've actually written a children's book. This is what we were talking about right before we went on air because I was telling you I have an 18 month old daughter and it's hard to find children's books. You walk into the library and it's just like uh, it's it's woke topics whether mm. whether it's queer theory whether it's you know the anti racist baby just all of these very radical left. Um, Marxist things that are being put in little baby board books, but you wrote it. You yeah. wrote a book that's that's real art, that's real literature, that's not woke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote a book about health and fitness for kids. So in 2019, I put out a book called Strong Advice: Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, mm-hmm. which was a health and fitness book to help adults um, yeah. of all ages to get in better shape and to lose weight and so on. And um, I did this book in collaboration with with Brave Books. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a more conservative leaning book. Uh, company, but I wanted to do one that was totally apolitical. Yeah, um, that would just help people to. Our bodies are so important, and one of talking about things that are rarely discussed in society: obesity, yeah. right? Um, rising, rising amongst amongst children, and so on. So I just wanted to write a book that is fun. I made it all rhyme. It's beautifully illustrated, and it's just about the importance of exercising, eating, having moderation. And take, why, why taking care of your body is important and why you shouldn't just uh, sit there all day long stuffing your face with candy. 
Um, <laughs> so it's a book, you know, I'd say it's mainly for kids probably aged five, five to 10 primarily. Um, but it's a lot of fun. The feedback on it has been really, really positive so far. And so I'm excited to add children's book author to my list of Well, I'll tell titles. you, my daughter's favorite books are the books. I mean, she's still at the nursery rhyme phase, but yeah. her favorite books are certainly the books that rhyme. So yeah. I will get a copy of this. Looking forward to uh, reading it to her. Where can Yay. people find it? It, can, it is available at candycalamity.com. 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 Okay, we will, we will post the link okay. um, for that. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. This was a great uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Liz. Appreciate it. All right, guys. And if you want exclusive early access to interviews just like this one, you can join us on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals. It is very intuitively lizwheelershow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code access, you can get your first month free on your annual subscription, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. 